If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of Pixel Sift. Pixel Sift is a podcast where we dig into why people make games, what makes them want to do it, what drives them to get to the finish line. And we also look at some of the bigger issues in gaming as well. Um, anything that is, you know, making the news, take making the rounds. Uh, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nick. Hey, how you doing? And Mitch. Okay, I wanted to say Scott, but Scott's not here. Mitch is here. Yep. I'm on a switchboard, so that I won't be talking as much. Yeah, you can only concentrate on one thing at a time. Luckily, though, we have Adric Polkinghorn joining us from Brisbane Live. Adric, thanks for joining us. We're going to be talking all about your game a little bit later in the show. Uh, it's called Think of the Children, and we're looking forward to chatting to you about it. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. And Nick, we're checking out some other topics today as well, are we not? We are. Uh, so this week we are looking at your right to mod, as being Iron Man in the much-loved Grand Theft Auto V is no longer allowed, unfortunately. And we'll find out where that kind of sits. Uh, Mitch, what else are we checking out as well? Yeah, um, also we are checking out the 100% conundrum, what makes people want to complete games to that and get that 100% score. It's a good question. Uh, it's a good question, Mitch. Let's uh, jump into it, shall we? This week we're discussing your right to mod the mod tool creators Open IV. Is it Open IV? Or I open think it's Open Four. Open Four uh, have been issued a cease and desist notice by Take Two, mm. uh, informing them that their uh, them and that their patrons that modifying games is it's no longer allowed. allowed. Well, I mean, they could always take it to court they if could. they wanted to. Um, but usually, when someone gets given a cease and desist, it's not really worth mm. it um, for them to go after it. Te- Part of the reason why, uh, Nick, do you know why they've been issued with this cease and desist? No, Johnny. Why? Tell me. Please tell me. Okay. Come on, guys. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like a pantomime at the, min- at the moment. Um, yeah, basically, uh, uh, Take-Two has kind of come out. Um, they've said that people are using the Open4 or the OpenIV uh, tools uh, to modify and harass and interfere with the online experience of GTA Five, And mm. as such, they're not going to allow people to, to use that particular platform anymore um, and... People have to look elsewhere if they're looking for the world of mods. Yeah, like this is honestly a great shame because a, a, a huge there's a huge mod, modding community in Grand Theft Auto Five. A lot of people buy the game to mod, 
Like uh, if you ever see Grand Theft Auto Five on social media, it's usually a funny video or a meme based around a mod, like uh, Marvel mods have become incredibly popular in the last year. Mm-hmm. I think like you always see people flying around as Iron Man or smashing things up as the Hulk. Uh, and it, and it's a real shame. I've never actually been able to play many mods, but when I have, I've had great fun, and it just puts a great spin on a game that we love. My favorite one is the uh, Samsung sticky mine phone, sticky yeah. bomb phone. I like that. Yeah, yeah, linking into a bit of pop culture there, as the <laughs> Samsung phones were were blowing up in real life. Uh, yeah. They were also blowing up in GTA. Um, yeah, I think what's really interesting about this is that obviously, um, in terms of rights to mod, you have no right. To well, you can make a mod. You have yeah. no right to expect that it's going to continue to to live in the real world. Um, all of these IPs do belong to the companies that have created them, um, and you know they can say yay or nay. Um, some companies, like say for example Bethesda, uh, have sort of openly uh, embraced modding um, and use it as kind of a part of what they're they're doing into their future strategy. And announced a whole bunch of stuff at E3 this year about the future of mods. Um, but it isn't something that is a given. Um, and I think uh, there's often we we hear this. Conversation Conversation when people talk about making a fan game, or they talk about uh, you know doing ROM hacks and all of that sort of stuff to mm. uh, games that exist and, and uh, properties that people have worked hard on um, that they put investment into and they're expecting to make a return on. Um, and Mitch, you were telling us that it was something to do that you believe that it's something to do with the interference of uh, cash in the game, and that's the reason why people are having this. Well, why there may have been this backlash behind this particular mod. I think one of the reasons why the take two don't like people modding is because they don't want to make it too easy to transfer money between players because they sell those shark cards and i mean that's not really griefing but that might be one of the reasons why they've said no because some modders may have found ways to transfer money like large sums of money because like a million dollars in gta online is worth about 20 bucks Mm -hmm. yeah and to to sort of circumvent that uh method of you know, it's their revenue stream. Mm. Adric, what do you think about this uh, this situation with people kind of, one, you know, getting upset that the modding tools have been taken down, and, and, and two, do you think this sort of stuff should be open or, or more closed down? Uh, I've always felt modding should be as open as possible. Um, like, I got my start in development making maps for Warcraft 3 and StarCraft, and I guess that was like the original kind of modding back in the day. Um, no, it's, it's, it's always been core to me, and I've always enjoyed... You know, using as many different mods as I can in Skyrim and and such. I can I can kind of see where Rockstar is coming from with this. Uh, I play a ton of GTA myself. It's one of my favorite games, and yeah, the the whole economy just gets ruined by people jumping on. And you know, it's not even just uh, that they'll jump on and give it to themselves. They'll you know just start spawning bags in front of people. So you have uh, people that aren't even modding getting banned because of the actions of modders. Uh, it's a bit of a tough place, I guess, for Rockstar. Do you think that there would be a, a world where this could exist in the future for GTA, or do you think it's going to be a, a long time before this gets, starts to get reintroduced? I think it's going to be a while, um, but I, I absolutely think it's got to. They have a place there. Uh, if you look at what the people that are complaining about modding getting removed are, just the people that want to do like the roleplay servers and want that different content, and they're totally within their rights to be able to do that. Um, but I guess it's up to Take-Two to make sure that they're not ruining the fun of that group of people but are still able to stop people that are ruining the experiences of others online. We've got a, a question here from from Twitch. Uh, are you going to allow mods in your game, Mr. Adric? I think I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, hopefully. Um, it's definitely something we'll look at uh, post-release, but I would love to have the opportunity to allow people to create their own content for the game. And you're going to have it sort of wild west, anyone can create whatever, or are you going to have it you know, come through you and, and, and you look at the mods before they go out into the world? I think uh, the Steam Workshop does a really good job of self-moderating itself, um, so you, you don't really need to have us there doing that. Um, so if people want to use it, then they can make whatever the mods they want. Uh, I guess I hope that there is some level of moderation going through the Steam Workshop, though. It's a good question. You know, that's one of the things we always ask about Steam. It's a it's a huge beast now, and um, some things kind of just go straight through, and other things. You know, seem to get hit with a with a ban hammer. It's, it's kind of difficult to see where that kind of lies. Um, now, Bethesda have kind of come out at E three three, and they've said that they're now going to be uh, creating a new system called the Creation Club, um, where they are almost uh, basically working as kind of almost semi publishers of of mods. Um, they'll be working with uh, developers and uh, talented modders and giving them opportunities to create new content that will live uh, through the Creation Club, kind of be endorsed. And there's sort of a revenue share that also comes as part of that. Um, do, do you think that's a good way to approach uh, modding? Do you think that's it's something that could be achievable by people who aren't of a Bethesda or a Take-Two scale? Oh, for sure. Um, I think that's the more that the actual company can get involved, uh, the better it is. And at the end of the day, one of the cool parts about Bethesda's plan is that they're trying to add money to mods. And a lot of people called them out on that, but the real benefit is modders are spending, you know, years and years trying to make some of these games. Like I remember when uh, the Oblivion overhaul for uh, Skyrim got announced Mm -hmm. back in the day when Skyrim came out and now they're finally looking at releasing it. So, I mean, you know, they've been working at this nearly full time for the last like five years they totally deserve a bit of money for their efforts. What I think is really interesting about this is it opens up the opportunity for um, you know small projects from established developers. Like I would quite like to see another uh, Obsidian Fallout game, um, but maybe Obsidian could go and make a mod or a, a small campaign, and that could be an add-on that's kind of sanctioned through Bethesda uh, into you know Fallout Four or Fallout Five into the future. So Bethesda has done a variety of. Uh, like creation tools like for example when they re-released Skyrim on PS4 they gave us the ability to download mods on PlayStation 4 Mm -hmm. which was a huge deal for console gamers because we've never really had much access to mods especially myself because I'm a console gamer and my PC gaming has been very limited I've never really been exposed to that but on another case they also with Doom when Doom came out they people were very excited by the map creation uh, and that was epic and yeah. I remember, and I remember thinking, oh, this because this isn't really for me. I've never really been a big fan of designing things. And Minecraft was never my my thing. But going on there and playing other people's levels was amazing. Yeah, and I actually really like that. They're like, oh, hey, like, like at least they're giving them the tool to do it. It doesn't compromise the game, but it does allow people to be creative and. Well, it's exactly as as you said, uh, Adric, that you sort of started in the StarCraft and, and WarCraft 3 days and mods from that game have gone on to spawn entire genres of, of games mm. uh, into the future. So, you know, allowing people to have that sort of opportunity to, to play around with it. Maybe, you know, there has to be, you know, checks and balances and all of these things. Definitely. But, you know, having that opportunity is, uh, could be a good potential for future mm. games. Uh, that's, uh, let's jump into our next topic. I like Adric's photo too. It is pretty good, isn't it? 
<laughs> I liked I liked how it was sent through to us as well with the uh, the subtitle. Now, did you put that on Mitch or did Adric send that through to you? Uh, the subtitle. Mm. Adric sent Adric. Very appropriate. <laughs> Should have been holding an axe, mate. I know. Uh, he did have the appropriate shirt. This is totally not going to work for an audio podcast, but um, <laughs> check out the video on youtube.com uh, forward slash pixelsiftau. But right now, let's jump into our next topic. Pixel Sift. It's not Pixel Siv. It's Pixel Sift. Pixel Sift. Sir. Adric Polkinghorn is in Brisbane right now. He's joining us over the airwaves. Uh, Adric, you've been working on a game for a little while now. Um, it's called Think of the Children. It's, desi- it's described as a sort of chaotic child safety management game. Um, <sighs> what is it exactly, and how did it kind of come about? Yeah, that, that, that definitely sounds about right. Um, it came about actually from a game jam uh, back in October, and we we had we'd been given these theme words around love, power, and surprise, and we originally got started, and we we immediately got drawn to like the the power and the love of parenting. We knew we wanted to do something between uh, parents and their children and and protecting your children, and then we thought it'd be pretty surprising to see kids getting hit by a car. So it just kind of grew out of that. It just occurred to me how terrifying this game would be to mod. Like, I can't imagine the ways people could kill children in yeah. a video game. Anyway, sorry, go on. I've, I've always Uh-oh. said that if, if any, like, if the CIA or something is listening into our, our dev meetings, we're going to jail. Because <laughs> we're just sitting there trying to come up with ways that we can kill children. Well, how you go, have you thought about, you know, the, the Australian content, the Office of Film and Literature Classification? What are they going to think about, uh, think of the children? <laughs> It's it's constantly on our minds. Uh, we've we've done as much as we can, I guess, to ensure that we're we're riding a very fine line and we're staying just underneath that line. Um, so we've we'll we'll often come up with ideas, try them out, and just find that actually that's just not really acceptable. That's not part of the the vision of this game. Um, I think at one point we had a kid getting like shot in the head by a hunter. Oh, and just like oh, we're like we're like yeah, that that's a bit much. Let's get rid of that um, and change it up a little bit. But so, yeah. wh- what is your sort of design process of, of putting these things together? Is it um, you know, do you just kind of get a whole bunch of ideas and throw them into the into the arena and see what sticks and what gets a good reaction and what gets a, a bad reaction, or or is it more uh, you know, do you plan it out and 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 then you know go from there? No, definitely the first one. <laughs> we just throw it out there. Uh, we all sit there. Uh, just typing up ideas, throwing things out there, and then just kind of vote on what we think is the funniest ones. Oh, God. And occasionally uh, some get through that that probably shouldn't, but then once we get to testing, it, we usually bring, rein everything back into that, that line that we're trying to ride. Uh, are the children going to be kidnapped in your game? Uh, we've got a, a question on Twitch. Are children are going to be kidnapped. Are they going to be put into bear traps? That's Interesting. Um, yeah. In... The the original version after the uh, the forty eight hour challenge, we there's a van that comes in on the the picnic level, and that originally had a strange man hop out of it, with the uh, wearing a trench coat and a big hat on his head, and he would kidnap one of the kids. And we eventually decided that that might be a bit much, and so we ended up doing a reskin and swapped him to the child protective services, as we felt that was a bit more accurate. 
Now, you, you made this game in a game jam. Game jams are usually made on uh, adrenaline and fatigue and a lot of crazy ideas get chucked out there. How do you go about turning that game into something that you can release? And, you know, what, what's the process after that 48 hours of intense work? We're still figuring that out. Uh, <laughs> this is our first game, mm-hmm. um, uh, our first commercial release. And yeah, we've really been learning a lot as we go. Um, for us, we, we made it. And we instantly knew that we had we had something, and so we figured uh, we'll chuck it up on on the Imgur and on Reddit and stuff, and get those fake internet points. Uh, and we ended up getting a lot of fake internet points. Um, we got onto the front page, most viral on Imgur, and so we figured, oh, actually, maybe we should run with this. Um, ended up uh, having a talk with Surprise Attack, who are our, our publishers, and they they loved it and wanted to see it. It grow and, and they've been instrumental in helping us get to the, the finish stage. Have you put this game in front of people in the general public yet? Uh, are people able to sort of try it out? Have you taken it to any of the conventions that have been around? Or is it kind of just people that you know sort of in the development community or your friends and family? No, I've, I've, I've had the honour of taking it uh, a couple places. Um, so first we did PAX South over in San Antonio and had a few thousand people playing it there. Wow. Uh, that also gave me a really great opportunity to have a lot of my favorite Twitch and YouTubers come around and play it. Uh, we had like Eat My Addiction and Gassy Mexican. And and it was just so great seeing the kind of people that I, I want to see playing this game and engaging their reactions. Um, we've also taken it over to PAX East for, for Boston uh, and looking for a, a few more in the not too distant future. But yeah, we've we've actually managed to put it in front of a lot of people and yeah, we're getting the reactions that we want to see from people. Um, One of the things yeah. I was reading this week is that, you know, you should always sort of take feedback from players and see, uh, you know, what they say, um, but you should never take their suggestions on how to fix it. Right. Um, are there any situations where people have kind of given you a good idea or said that, the um, you know, we should probably change the way that some of the mechanics are working or, or any particular way that you can think of? Yeah, actually, our shout mechanic that we have in the game ended up going down that path. Um, originally you would shout and it would just send the kids running away from you in terror. And uh, a few of the parents that we spoke to were like, oh no, that's not how it works. When when you shout at your children, they come running towards you. And that's actually now how we have it in the game. So you're not drawing from a strong personal uh, experience uh, of, of parenting? This is kind of an abstract for you guys? Have you ever had to think of the children? <laughs> have you? Uh, not really, honestly. Uh, <laughs> none of us are parents. I think the closest we get is pets. Um, so unless we do a version where all the children are cats and dogs, then it's not really our kind of Dog thing. DLC, that sounds like money right there. I know. I think so. Um, so you're working forward into this game. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you've kind of uh, you learnt along this experience and what are some of the things that you think back and go, oh, man, if I'd known what I'd known three months ago, I would never have made that decision. Oh, that's tough. Um, probably the pedophile, um, would not have pedophiles ever in the game. I think we saw that in the YouTube video, the man in the trench coat. We're just like, yeah. wait, is that, is that what I think it is? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the YouTube no, video is child protection services. Yeah. The new one is. The new one. The new one. The, the, the we prototype were, We were digging up the prototype video. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, probably that. But outside of that, um, no, things have gone strangely perfect. Um, which I think is probably a rare thing that you get to say in game development. Um, 
So there's there's not a lot that I'd do differently. So when can people um, expect to kind of, well, when's the next opportunity if someone's in Australia that might be able to get a chance to put their hands on a controller and have a go of the game? Um, and if you're outside of that, where can people expect to, to play the game into the future? Um, so the next one we're doing is AVCon down in Adelaide. Um, so that, that should be our next opportunity for people to get their hands on it. Outside of that, uh, we're pretty close to release. And so hopefully we can just get it to everyone as soon as possible. Is it really good? Like when you're actually, you said, you mentioned that you had a whole bunch of streamers in there and, you know, you getting them in front of them and seeing you, them play your game. Is that the sort of thing that you're, is that like one of your main drivers for success? Is that what you're looking at to measure or, you know, what, where do you, is this going to be a game that you're like, all right, cool, we're going to retire. This is going to be making the money for the rest of our lives. <laughs> no, it's, we're, we, we, we're pretty sure where this game sits. Um, we've really tried to push for this viral, you know, we'll, we'll hit the ground running, maybe be in the spotlight for a couple of weeks and then fade into obscurity one day. But for those first few couple of weeks, we really want to hit Twitch hard, hit YouTube hard, try and get in as many influencers' hands as possible. And so far, we've been doing a pretty good job with that. We've had Rooster Teeth playing it. We've gotten in the hands of a couple streamers and we're really trying to get as many as many influences there as possible. It's an important part of the marketing mix now. It's, uh, you know, very, I know some of the other studios that we've talked to before have a, you know, long-term strategy about getting it in front of as many people as possible mm -hmm. and into as many different niches. And look, if Twitch is anything to go by, uh, I'm hearing that you need to in, uh, collaborate on a project called Memeshire. Uh, so you should get in on that. Uh, you also need to, you know, uh, say hi to your friend Jock, who's who's there chatting with you. Um, yeah, it looks like a really exciting game. We're very uh, keen to give it a go a bit further down the track. Um, if people want to find out more info about the game in the meantime, while we're waiting for it to come out, where's the best place for them to go to? Facebook. Uh, our Facebook page is probably the best place at the moment. That or following Jammed Up Studios on Twitter. And I, yeah, I'll definitely have to look at getting in the hands of Memeshire. They're, they're a good there. group of guys. <laughs> That's, uh, let's jump into our next topic, but we will also be sticking up links to all of those pages. So if you want to find them, you can head to our website and we'll give you all those. Right now, though, let's jump into our next topic. Pixel Sieve. It's not Pixel Sieve. It's Pixel Sifter. Pixel Sieve. This week, we are talking completionism. Do you want to get every trophy, collect every weapon and skin, or are you just in for the ride? What drives players to achieve 100% in a game? Listen, Nick. Yeah? When I was a young man, and I'm not a, a young so man. So, like, 100 years ago. 100 years ago, I spent a lot of time in Assassin's Creed uh, 2 getting a whole stack of dumb feathers on the top of roofs <sighs> for no reason other than getting to completion and one cape and that was about it but you know that was uh, a strong driver of the games that i was playing at that time i was very much someone who wouldn't start a game if i knew i couldn't complete it 100 mm. percent um so uh, but as i've you know played different games now that sort of thing isn't as important to me but i can totally understand why some people would be driven to do that how do you play your games nick so i'm i'm very weird when it comes to completion uh for me completion has to somehow influence the game assassin's creed 2 i played as a young man i'm still a young man um i played it <laughs> uh Many years ago, and I did not care for the feathers. They meant nothing to me. I knew you got a sweet little cutscene, but I watched that on YouTube. For me, it was all about getting, doing all the, the puzzle challenges and getting that armor. 
Uh, for me, uh, achieving something has to give you some enriching experience. Uh, for those who don't know me, Bloodborne is my favorite game of all time. and I'm a huge fan of the Blood Souls games and getting the trophies in those games means a lot to me. Because you, there aren't there aren't many trophies compared to a lot of games. You get trophies for every boss you kill, and then there's usually like a few extra for getting like every weapon. But the the main point is you killed this disgustingly hard enemy. Congratulations, and that that's satisfying to me. But then there's games like uh, Gone to the Rapture, which I played recently, and or every single trophy is hidden. Uh, and I beat the game the first time and I got like maybe two or three from the whole, from one whole run through. And I was like, this is super weird. And cause all of them were hidden. I was like, you know what? I'll Google them. And some of them were like one was called one trophy was called, uh, I think it was just enjoying the view or something. You had to stand still for five minutes. Other trophies were walk into every house in the game and just stand like that, still for five minutes is like don't pause the game exactly, go get a drink of yeah, water or exactly. something like yeah but the, to me that it, it doesn't enhance my experience at all mm. uh, another game that I definitely haven't platinumed is Last of Us which I played through at least three times mm. but it's it's like a movie and that's the thing uh, you know beating getting trophies in that game doesn't enhance my experience getting uh, doing certain things to get currency so I can change the clothes my characters are wearing does and that's that's what that means to me it either has to enhance my experience or has to bring me some sense of pride and unfortunately a lot of games don't do that for me especially multiplayer games where it's like do do this and it's like i that that's not how I, that's not necessarily what i want to do that's not going to give me anything why why should i do it evil zombie but, uh, bunnies on twitch says they needed to 100 percent a game uh just because they it was so hard and they wanted to rage quit and never look at it again basically so yeah no i feel that i 100 percent understand that like that that's uh that's some pride and especially in very very difficult games it's almost bragging rights it's like look what i did and here's the proof um Adric, how do you play games? Yeah. Are you a hundred percenter? Do you want to just play just the storyline? Do you just play multiplayer? What, what what's your driver when you're playing a game? I always tell myself that this is the game that I'm in a hundred percent, and then I never do. I I'll be doing so well. Like Witcher Three, for example, is my was my recent go to, and I was That's doing a big so game. well. That is a, that is a huge clearing, challenge to set yourself. Oh yeah, I was I was clearing every single zone, and what always happens to me is I, I get in these games and then if they've got a really good main storyline, I just get hooked and then I play through it and next thing I know, I've finished the game and then I just can't be bothered doing the 100%ing anymore. Rocker H on Twitter and uh, Twitch asks, uh, what is your opinion on actually 100%ing a game, but if you have to Google all the answers to do so, which I'll admit I have done in, yeah. in some, some games, you know, going through and getting uh, all the unlocks and all the trophies and, and bits and pieces. What do you guys think? Well, for me, it's in regards to googling stuff uh i don't uh let's take breath of the wild for example the first thing because i knew i knew you could go explore anywhere the first thing i want to know is like where the hell is the master sword and i would love to learn that on my own but i i decided to google it uh the first thing that came was like by the way you need 13 hearts at that point i stopped wanting to know where it was i was just going around the map and eventually i stumbled upon this huge giant foggy forest and i was like that's 100 percent where the sword is cool i went got the hearts and went and did it um i don't know it also depends on how like what the the story means to you like i i uh, especially cinematic games like for the last of us again i wouldn't want to google anything i don't want any spoilers uh zelda and puzzles i want to figure out the challenge for myself 
uh, when it comes to small things like how to get specific items and better gear. I don't really care as much. Um, Adric, what do you reckon? Do you reckon uh, 100%ing a game uh, is still 100%ing? And if you've Googled your way the whole way through, you've gone on gamefacts.com and you've read the guide? Uh, I, I guess it depends on the game. Um, I noticed evil zombie bunnies saying in chat how they had to look, they you know had to 100% the game because yep. they were that frustrated at it. So I guess once you hit that point, looking up a guide just to make sure that you've got it all done and dusted, yeah, there's no real complaint of that. I don't really see the point of doing it from the very start of the game, though, like mm. maybe on your second playthrough or so. I think if you're, you know, just wanting to sort of have the experience of the game, there are plenty of people out there who are usually streaming it. Um, so yeah. if you just want to watch a game and you don't have time to 100% it, um, you could just go, oh, I'm going to watch the thing. I mean, there is arguments against that. We know there's some developers who aren't happy with have a really story-driven game. Um, the developers of That Dragon Cancer, for example, have come out and said that they don't want people to just watch the game. They should just sit down and experience it. Mm. Um, but, you know, there are other options. So, you know, if you want to see someone who's really good at uh, Call of Duty or whatever, mm. and they're going to 100% every match because they're killing it, um, you know, you can watch that. You're available to do that. And I guess it's sort of the the sort of levels of drivers and, and, and how people kind of react to things. Mm. Adric, are you building in a, a component into your game uh, where people can 100% it? Or is it more of a pick-up-and-play resets every time it's the sitcom sort of experience of, of games no we're currently building that actually um so we've just finished up a bunch of our like unlock system for unlocking items and it's very much a case of like some of the items will require quite a challenge like making sure that you get the maximum possible score on a certain level or doing a weird combination of events to make sure that you get it uh we're definitely putting in a lot of that stuff as we really want to give that group of players the potential to like really engage with the game mm -hmm. and be just redoing levels over and over again. Um, are, you and gonna then make, also, are you going to make that available uh, for people to see in the game? Like are the goals going to be achievable goals? It says like hundred percent this thing in f under 30 seconds or whatever, or is it all going to be secret? No, I, I think it depends on what part of the game it is. Something like outfits, we want that to be very visible. So that if if you look in your wardrobe and you see that there's a particular outfit that you want for one of your characters, you should be able to know exactly how you get that. Um, as for like Steam achievements and stuff like that, those potentially can be a bit hidden with some some nice little Easter eggs and secrets out there that you know might have to go to a convention or something or look up a guide online or some I don't know something along those lines. But mm. I guess it just depends on what the the actual content is. But in-game content should probably never be hidden. Go to a convention. There's a, a Think of the Children ARG just been announced here. You know, <laughs> get out into the real world, find uh, QR codes and all that sort of thing. Uh, now, That's I'm, a quick way for people to get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't, don't role play that game. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, Johnny. Oh, taking it too far. Uh, look, speaking of uh, the, taking things too far, we've kind of reached the end of the show now. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, Adric, thank you for joining us. Uh, now, just again, if people uh, want to find out more about your game, where's the best place for them to head to uh, if they want to find out more? Uh, yeah, so you can you can check us out on Facebook in particular. We make sure we post everything onto there, ready for people to, to see. Uh, you can also catch us on Twitter. We also do a lot of updates there. That's uh, at Jammed Up Studios. Um, and you can also check out Surprise Attack's YouTube channel. They post up all of our trailers and videos there. 
And you can also find all the links to everything you've just mentioned there, your Facebook and your website and all of that sort of stuff um, on our website, uh, which is www.pixelsift.com.au. You'll find all the stuff there, links to the articles that kind of prompted what we were talking about today. Uh, But Nick, we've also got older episodes where we've talked to a bunch of different people from around Australia and New Zealand. We have indeed. Uh, Where can people go to find those if they're looking for them? You can find us on facebook.com slash pixelsift, twitter.com slash pixelsift, twitch.tv slash pixelsift. Which you might already be if you're walking there. You might already be. Uh, And finally, youtube.com slash pixelsiftau. And we've got all the episodes. You can get that on all of your podcast players of choice. It's Apple Podcasts. It's Google Mm. Play if you're in the US. It's anywhere you can find streaming audio will probably be there. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, This has been Pixelsift episode 73. Adric, it's been a pleasure. We're looking forward to playing your game. And we will see you guys all again this time in two weeks' time. See you later, guys. See you then. See you. Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Mm-hmm.